God to our pastor, to the elders and to the deacons, and to you, the people of God. Hallelujah. You know, it's an honor. I give honor to God for my life. He's the head of my life. And I give him honor today. And I glorify him today. And I lift him up. Hallelujah. And I thank him for getting me through another week. How we take that for granted? How we take that for granted? Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. you to be seated today because I have a long scripture. It's a story in the Bible that I want to tell and it's about 20 verses long. So I want you to be seated so because it tells a story. And if I believe, I believe if you are seated and and um, that you can comprehend it better than if you were standing. Amen. Let's go to Second Kings. Let's go to Second Kings. Starting at Second uh, Kings, the uh, sixth chapter, starting at verse eight. Now I'm reading out of the New NIV Bible, so your Bible may be just a little different. But if you can follow the screen, this should be the NIV version. Reading that, chapter 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. Verse 9, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of the passing that place because the, the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elijah warned the king so that he was on his, so that he was on his guard in such places. Verse 11, this debate, the king of Aram, he summons his office, officers and demanded of them, will you tell me which of us is on the side of the king? I think we got a snitch in the house. Somebody is telling on me. How does he know every move that I'm making? Verse 12, none of us, my lord, none of us, my lord the king said one of his officers but Elijah the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel that very words you speak in your bedroom it's Elijah that prophet is telling on you king it's not us it's Elijah you go you blame him don't blame us verse 13 go find out where he is the king ordered so I can send men and capture him the report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, 
An army of horses and chariots has surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's what he was saying. You know, more of them is with us than with, than with them. Verse 17, and Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. As the enemy, enemy came down towards him, Elijah prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elijah asked. Verse 19, Elijah told him, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elijah, shall I kill them? My father, shall I kill them? Elijah, do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill men you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them and they had finished eating and drinking. He sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Abram stopped raiding Israel territory. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, open our ears, Lord, so we may hear your word this day. Open our eyes so we will not be blinded. And Lord, we give you praise and glory. Amen. Thank you for the reading of the word. And the word of the Lord is already blessed. I want to speak this morning about spiritual blindness. Open my eyes, Lord. I don't want to be spiritually blind. Go back to verse 17, if you would. It said, and Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. He's talking to his servant. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Hallelujah. This man, his servant, walking with him, training to be the next prophet, as, as was Elijah when he was training with Elijah. So he was, Elijah was sort of training his servant to be the next in line, to be the next prophet in line. And we see his servant is blind. He's not physically blind, naturally blind, but he's spiritually blind. Blind. Hallelujah. I'm going to come back to this story, but I want to go right now to the uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. Read that carefully. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. If you think about it, think about think about this. The things that we don't see seem more real than the things we see. That's why the poet Edgar Allan Poe says, only believe half of what you see and believe nothing of what you hear. You know that's such a true statement? The things that we don't see are more real than the things we see. I can give you plenty of examples. For example, electricity. You can't see electricity, but you know when you turn that switch on, you expect that light to come on. You know, I work around electricity. That's part of my professing profession, what I do. And I respect it so much because I've seen the results of what it can do. I've literally seen someone get shocked and, and it changed my whole uh, respect for electricity. You cannot see it, but you know it's there. It's there so much that they tell us in our training class, uh, turn all power off before you work on anything. Turn it off. Well, if you turn it off, you don't know if it's off. You can't see it. How you know it's off? So go put a meter on it. We go, so we go put a meter on it, and we make sure that it's off. Then they say, go another step. You take that meter and you put it on a live source where you know some electricity is coming out of it, because that meter could be bad. I've seen cases where meters have been bad, and people have got shocked because the meter was bad. So that is. Uh, something that you can't see. You can't see electricity. There's so many things. I remember back in the day when we had television that you had to turn. You know, you had to turn the channel. You had to walk up to your mama and your daddy would call you. They would call you all the way to their room and tell you to turn the TV. When you turn the TV, you call me. You better not say you call me all the way in here to just ask me. If you said that to one of uh, you know, back in the day, you would get smacked upside the head. But, but now, we got remote controls. All you have to do is push a button. Now, how do we go from physically having to turn to another channel to now we push a little button? There are electromagnetic waves that would go that you can't see. That's something that you can't see, but you know it's dead. If that remote control ain't working, people get mad. Hey, someone on my remote control. You need to put some batteries in this thing. Things that you can't see are more real than things we can see. What about coldness and heat, hot and cold? A day in January can look just like the same day in July. Blue skies, sun, sunny outside, but a day in January, it might be 10 degrees with that same blue sky that is 100 degrees in July. You can't see heat, you can't see cold, but you know it's there, you know it's real. You know it's real. Things that you can't see seems more real than the things that we see. Think about it. That's why the Bible said we walk by faith, not by what you see. The things we see are more real than the things we don't see. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11 and 1 said, now faith. Hallelujah. The substance of things hoped for. 
and the evidence of things not seen. Not seen. Hallelujah. I've seen people say, you know, they catch you, sometimes they think they catch you. They see you in a place that you shouldn't be sometimes. And you know, that's why the Bible, that's why we always say, only believe half of what you see. Because, you know, there's a restaurant that I like to go to, but it's a bar. It's a bar. I like to go there because, you know, it's got sports here, you know, it got TVs all around. And I just go there just to watch the games. Or, and a lot of times the food is good. But if someone were to see me come out of there, what would they say? From what they see. You can't believe everything you see. You know, we always hear people say, I ain't going to believe it unless I see it. Believe what? I'm not going to believe it. You're going to show me. You got to show. You only need to have. Believe only half of what you see. Hallelujah. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, in the NIV version. It says, the God, and in my Bible, the word God is in lowercase. When you see it in lowercase, it's talking about the devil. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Pay attention to, the, to, to the, how the Bible is written. The God of this age. See that little G. Talking about the devil. Has blinded the minds of unbelievers. The devil has blinded the minds of them so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Spiritual blindness. Think about it. And we get back to Elijah. Get back to Elijah and his servant. We notice that his servant had vision problems. He could see like everyone else, but he could not see spiritually. He needed spiritual glasses. Hallelujah. The thing about this story that kind of makes it ironic was the king. Now he already know Elijah knows every move that he's making. Elijah knows every move you're making. Why are you going to send your whole army to capture him? You think you're going to surprise Elijah? He thinks he's going to surprise him. The king is just not so bright. He thought he was smart. But he tries to sneak up on Elijah. And Elijah pretty much already knows he's coming. And his servant goes out. And he sees this army of chariots surrounding them. And he gets afraid about what he sees. His natural sight. Elijah said, there's more with us than there with them. Man, are you crazy? Have you went outside? Have you seen that we are surrounded by this army? And I can see Elijah being so cool. Just saying, man, just calm down. 
We got this thing under control. And we see that Elijah just says, Lord, blind them. Blind them. Have you ever, uh, uh, ever, got, ever got into your car and drove somewhere and don't know how you got there? You didn't pass by your exit. You didn't go 10 miles out the way. And then you finally can see. How did I get here? How did I get here? You've been blind. You weren't physically blind. You can still see you because you were driving a car. That's the same with his army. They can still see. Because they were walking right into Samaria. Blind. Distracted. And that's the part I like how they, how Elijah just led them right to Samaria. He just led them right to the king. Because they were blind. The Hebrew word translated blind is, is not the normal word for the lack of physical society. It means to dazzle with implications of confusion. And we, we, we experience it all the time. Sometimes I could be driving somewhere and I could be caught up in, 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 in the praise of a song that is on the radio. And I looked up and I'm like, where am I? I went way past where I should have been. But I was, you know, I was blind. I was, I was in that same kind of blindness that these soldiers had. They were confused. They had this type of confusion in their blindness. And, you know, a lot of the theologians say, when I was studying this, the theologians said that the, the Psalms of David had already been written at this time, at Elijah's time. The Psalms of David. And I can kind of visualize Elijah reading Psalms 27. I can visualize him reading Psalms 27. Psalms 27 said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Hallelujah. When evil man is advanced against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Ooh, I can just hear it louder. You know, got that, got that scripture down in his spirit. So when they come to attack him, Elijah was like, man, I got this thing. The Lord, the Lord is going to handle this. We ain't got to do nothing. Calm down, Mr. Servant. We good. We good. Do you know who my father is? Do you know, hallelujah, who my deliverer is? The Lord. We got this thing under control. So it leads them right into Samaria. If you were to look that up, Samaria is about 12 miles from Dothan. So that was about a three-day walk. For three days, they didn't know where they were. For three days, they were confused and bedazzled. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know where they were going. See what the Lord can do? You see how good God is? Hallelujah. I got a testimony for this week. You know, I, I was, it's strange how God has to prove it, but he did. He proves himself over and over and over again to me. Over and over, he proves himself. Now, this was, this was something 
that I didn't even think about it until it was all over. About a week ago, I went to get my car emissions. Everything was running fine on the car, everything. So I show up at the emissions station, and what do you know, the machine is broke. The machine is broke. So I said, oh, well, i just come back the next day. I could have went to another emissions station, but I said, oh, i just come back tomorrow. How many know tomorrow's never promised to you? I just said, i just come back tomorrow. You know, just taking for granted that tomorrow this same car will be running just like it is today. Soon as I said that, the check engine light come on. You believe that? It's been running good for about six, seven months. Check engine light comes on. I said, okay. Okay, I'm just going to, you know, I still got time. You know, my birthday is down to the middle of the month, October. I said, I got time. I still am just going to drive in. And uh, when, it, when it gets down to a couple of days left, I, I'll figure out what's wrong with it. You know, I, you know, I was just frustrated. So, Friday, no, it was, it was Wednesday, Tuesday. I said, okay, it's getting close. Let me just take it up to uh, AutoZone. And they got this little device that would tell you what, what, what the problem is. So I pull into, you know, the light's been on. I, I drove to work that day. It's been on all this time, all this time. I get to AutoZone. Cut the car, turn it back on, the light is gone now. It's gone now, right? So I said, okay, guy, come on out here and check it. I know the code is still there. It's still there with testing what the problem is. So he came out, he, you know, he checked his year. He gave me a list of problems where it could be the issue. A whole list. I said, man, if I go and change all this stuff, you know how much money I'm gonna be out of. So, but I already knew that if that light goes off, that after 50 miles, the computer will, re will reset itself. It will reset itself, so the code will be gone. So I hit the trip button. I said, I'm going to drive it 50 miles. And then I'm going to go right to the emission station after I drive these 50 miles. I know it's going to reset itself. So that's what I did. I drove it, and Friday, it had reached 52 miles. I took it up to the uh, emission station right up the street, right off the Evans minute. It got 52 miles. I said, yeah, the light was still off. Everything was still good. I get there, and the guy does a check. He checks everything out. He said, oh, yeah, the it, it, it luck is going to pass. It's going to pass. But he said, your gas cap is failed. I'm like, come on. He said, yeah, you got to go get a new. So I, went, I came up to the auto zone, got a gas cap, took it all the way back down, and that passed. So I said, thank God. Would you know, soon as I got to my house, y'all already know the story. Check engine light came right back on. But you know what I said? I just started praising God. I said, it's too late now. I got a whole nother year to worry about this part. I got a whole nother year. And at that moment, it's like God was saying, I got this thing under control. I'm going to put you through a test to know that I'm still here, that I'm real. That I'm real. And God will test you. He will always test you with stuff like that. Just to let you know, I am real. Believe me, I got this under control. Can you see me? Can you believe it? And I'm like, Lord, thank you. And I just started praising God. Thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm good for another year, man. I'm good. And, but you know, it was like God just spoke to me at that point in time. I just, it's like I heard him so clear. 
He said, this whole thing was just a setup. I set you up from, from the very first day that you took that car when that machine was broken because you could have went somewhere else. Could have went another, you know, to another mission station. Could have had it done that day. But I made that machine be broke that day. And I made you wait to let you see my glory. Hallelujah. And that's what God will do. Because sometimes we take him for granted. Not, not sometimes, a lot of times we take him for granted. The goodness of the Lord. He didn't have to do it, but he did. And we just, you know, we just take the Lord for granted and he just have to prove himself over and over and over again. Hey, I'm still in control. I believe that the fervent prayer of the righteous. I believe that's something that I have always believed. That the fervent prayer of the righteous are very much. That if you were to get a righteous person, when you need prayer, when you need to hear a word from the Lord to pray for you, that he will hear. I will never forget every every time I would go to my grandmother's house, she'd be in that word. She'd be in that word. She'd be, I mean, she had a little glass of food down her nose every day. She in that word every day. And every time I needed a prayer, I would call my grandmother. She'd be the first person because I knew she could get in touch with God. I know God heard her prayer. She was always first on my list. My mother was second, my grandmother first. But you know, when it comes a time when grandmother won't be around. It comes a time when your mother won't be around. You gotta learn how to pray for yourself. But you gotta get in that place to where God can hear you. You gotta be righteous. You gotta be righteous. You gotta be right with God. You want God because you don't have to pray for your kids. See, it keeps going. The cycle keeps going. Now it's your time to be the righteous person. Now it's your time to pray for your kids. When they 15 and 16, when they're getting out there in the world and all this peer pressure, it's your time to do it now. And how can the prayer, your prayer get through if you're not righteous? Tell me how your prayer is going to get through. Your prayer is going to hit the ceiling and come right back down to you. You got to be righteous. You got to line up. Because your kids going to need you to pray for them. They're going to need your prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And you know, I think that, uh, you know, the first thing we do when we, when we get in trouble, I think about praising God. I think about that being your name of one weapon. Praise. Praise. That's your weapon. Anybody can praise God. Hallelujah. I think about Paul and Silas in Acts 16, 25. Hallelujah. When they was in jail. Was beaten, put in jail, shackled for doing nothing wrong. For doing nothing wrong. And they started singing a praise. See, that, that's what they messed up. And the devil messed up when he put Paul and Silas together. He messed up. What the Bible says, one can chase a thousand. Two can chase ten thousand. So at, it said at midnight. At midnight. He said, we always say, we've been doing it for a night. At midnight. 
they started singing and praising the Lord. And guess what happened? The Lord came in. Not only did he free them, he freed everybody. Everybody, just from praise. I lift you up, Lord. I praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just praise you. Paul says in Romans, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, shall hardship, persecution, fame, and nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, we face death all day long. All day long we face it. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But look what it says. In all these things, tell us that we are more. We're more than conquerors. Judah had a problem. 
Simeon. You know what Simeon means? The Lord has heard. So if you send Jude, and then you send Simeon with him, his brother, the Lord has heard my praise. He has heard my praise. You send that praise on up. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I just thank you. Lord, I glorify you. Lord, I lift you up. Lord, I depend on your word, Lord. I'm standing on your word. What else can I stand on, God? I'm going to prove, Lord, prove your word to me. It's written. We can't make this stuff up. We can't make the Bible. This is God's word. There are so many promises in God's word. I'm standing on them. I'm standing on them. I'm standing because I believe that I'm a righteous person. I believe he hears the prayers of the righteous man. I believe you living right and you walking in your car and that God will he, he will hear every prayer that you say up. That he will honor his word. But you can't be living any kind of way. You know, that, 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 that it's conditions. You can't stand on this word if you just living in kind of way. But I believe if you living right, if you walking in God's will, that every promise that you can put, throw it back at the Lord. Lord, you said this in your word. I'm standing on this because I know I'm living right. I know I'm doing what you told me to do, God. So I'm telling the Lord, you got it. This is your word. I didn't make up none of this, God. I'm believing your word. I'm believing your word, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can stand to your feet. I'm finished. Hallelujah. Spiritual blindness. Let us open our eyes. You know, before I come to church, I know my eyes. I know my ears. I know my mind. I know all these things because I'm going to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Hallelujah. So I know my mind. So when I know my mind, I say, Lord, let this mind be in me. That's in Christ Jesus. I want my heart. Lord, give me a pure heart, clean heart. Renew a right spirit. In me. In me. Hallelujah. Take off my glasses, Lord. Give me spiritual sight. Hallelujah. Because being blind. Can't lead no one being blind. Can't see being blind. There are so many things that we can't see that are invisible to our natural sight, but our spiritual sight. Hallelujah. We can see more. Glory to God. Amen. Just lift your hands and praise the Lord. Let's just praise the Lord. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Lord, I just praise you. I just praise you, Lord. I sent Judah first. I sent Judah first. Regardless of how I feel, regardless of the trials and the tribulations that I'm going through, I can still lift my hand. If I got enough strength to lift my hands and just say, thank you, Lord. Lord, I praise you. 
Lord, I give you the glory. Hallelujah. Yeah, Lord, you do the rest. You do the rest. You move on my behalf. Lord, I thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. See, anyone who needs prayer today? Anyone. Anyone who said, you know, I will. I heard the message. I don't want to be like the servant who was blind and couldn't see. I want to be able to see spiritually as well as naturally. Because I need to be able to see spiritually. I need to see trouble before it gets here. More importantly, I need to know that God got my back. He has it all in control. Give me that spiritual insight, Lord, to let me know you got my back. You got my back. And I thank you, Lord. I, I, I. Hallelujah. I just thank you, Lord. I just thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Is it anyone? Anyone who just pray? Spiritual blindness. Lord, open my eyes so that I can see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because the things that I can't see are more real than the things I can see. Think about that. There's danger in the things that you can't see. More danger in there than it is the things that you can see. Think about it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you've been so good. I just want to just say, Hallelujah. I lift your name up. I praise you. I glorify you. Hallelujah. Is there anyone else? You know, last night when that serpent got loose. Hallelujah. My kids were in a paddock. My wife was in a paddock. Everybody was in a paddock. But I was kind of calm. Because I said, it's, it's a snake. I didn't know what kind it was. I didn't know how big it was. But I said, God got this thing. He's not going to let that down to the woman of God. I started rebuking that spirit right there. I rebuke you, devil. So I took my time. Put on some, I had some trimming trunks. I just throwed up, had those on. I didn't even change clothes. I didn't even, I put on some old flip-flops. I didn't even put on no boots. My wife and kid, they had already got in the truck. They were ready to go. And my son said, Daddy, what's taking you so long? Come on. First of all, we need to get something to kill you. know, we got to get something to kill this snake with. Let's get something to kill it. And so I went and got that pig fork and I got my shovel. And I got there, and this snake was brave. We got to the house, he was just on the, the top of the step. I thought he'd be gone by then. I said, this joke ain't going to be still here. They're gonna, we're going to have to, because that's what I was thinking about. We're going to have to find him. 
There are so many places he can hide in this house. We have to find. That's gonna be it. So I was on the, on the drive over there. I was just thinking, wow, he's gonna get. He's gonna. You got to go look for it. And I know. I'm not leaving the house until we get it. And I know pastor's not gonna be. Somebody's not gonna be able to rest until we get it. So you know, finding him was was you know not finding him was not an option. We just gonna have to find this joker. So we get there, me and Tim, he was waiting at me at the door. <laughs> so we, we, yeah, we, yeah, we get to the top of the stairs. And his little head sticking, I said, this little joke is still in the right spot. He's still in the same spot. Hadn't moved. Hadn't moved. And then, as I was trying to hit him with it, I, I, I made a mistake because I said, I, what I don't want him to do, I don't want him to get lost. I don't want him to run into one of these hiding places where we can't get it. And, and I, I tried to use the pitchfork to, to stick it at him, and, and I, when I missed, he was gone. He was gone. I said, oh my goodness, where is he at now? So we just started moving. He went right back into our office. So we just started moving stuff. We just thought, we, I'm like, man, I hope he ain't one of that closet, because that closet had so much stuff in it. I said, I bet that's where he was going. I said, Tim, I bet he ain't one of that closet. But this snake was smart. He was a little smart. We started moving stuff. We started taking stuff out the house. We started moving things around. And we had already moved the couch two or three times. And the third time, we moved it. That's when he moved, that's when he stuck his little head out. And we was able to, I was like, we got you now. You didn't show me, well, I'm glad you're not in that closet, I got you there. Ain't letting you get away this time. This time you will not get away. So we was able to trap him in a corner. And I was chopping like crazy, but that probably <laughs> to him, messed, you know, put some holes in the wall and stuff like that. I ain't messing up my life. Swinging that shovel, I said, "You're not, you not getting away this time. You're not getting away this time." I was like, hey, I said, "You know, this is starting to get late." I said, "I gotta go home. I need to finish because I was right into the middle of my, my message. I was studying." But you see how the devil? He know what he doing. He sets, sets up so many traps. He sets us up all the time. Here I am trying to study. Call. I said, well, I think I studied enough. I'm going to go what I got to go with. I'm going to take care of this because I know I'm not coming back home until I get it. You know? So we finally got it. Got it. We got it. We got it. But you got to know the tricks of the enemy. To steal, kill, and destroy, but he comes to distract you. That's all. It's, he ain't got no new tricks. He used same old old tricks. He just used them a different way. With all this technology that we got now, he uses different stuff. Just like we use different stuff, he do the same thing. Hallelujah. But how many know? Greater is he. Greater is he that's in me. 
that's in the world. You got to remember that. I don't care what you're going through. You keep telling that to your spirit. You speak it out. You speak it into the atmosphere. Crazy is he. That's he. That's in me. He is whatever you throw at me, devil. Greater is he. That's in me. I don't care what you throw at me, devil. Greater is he. That's in me. Greater is he. That's in me. Thank you.